Welcome in, everybody. We are live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. We are on Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV 240, Samsung TV 1029, and Roku. Come to our website and uh, visit us there live from Studio 6B. Enter the chat. And if you're in the Telegram group, the Gab group, you're in one of these social media groups, just kind of let us know where you're watching us. Let us know where you're, uh, where you're picking up the feed so we can get a little understanding of... Uh, What's working the best here? So we have a pretty cool show tonight. We got John Solomon coming on at 8.30. He's going to go over his uh, special uh, on CRT and what parents can do to defend their children from this heinous ideology that this is uh, that has been uh, used and abused to divide us in a way that we haven't seen since the Cultural Revolution. Uh, we also have... Uh, Interesting possibility that John might be breaking some serious news here. And uh, the dilemma, the boondoggle, the systematic chaos that has gone on in Afghanistan has, it's, uh, it, it's so incompetent, it looks like designed chaos. And if I believe for a second that Biden was making any decisions other than what he's eating for breakfast, which I doubt he's even making that decision, um, I would say, yeah, it's just pure incompetence. But for me, I'm thinking that somehow, some way, there's something uglier and heinous, more heinous afoot because none of it makes sense. It's absolutely brutal. So with that said, my man Rick Delgado, how are you doing? I am well, thank you. Yeah, I heard you a little bit about last night. We didn't get the uh, video footage in time, but you did some... Uh, yeah, spoke in front of the open. school board. Um, we'll have the video tomorrow night. Let's just say they made their decision devoid of science. Yeah. That's how I'll leave it. I just wonder if at any point these schools are making a buck off putting kids in a mask. I just wonder if there's some kind of financial. It doesn't make sense. We know the studies. We know the science. It's, it's ridiculous. Slick Rick, what do you got going on over there? Hey, Mr. Nolan. Well, we got coming up the uh, Mets GM is in hot water after uh, getting arrested yesterday. And uh, Florida State <laughs> is going to be honoring Bobby Bowden. Sign out of Mets, Paul. It's so great. Oof, unbelievable. It's just it never ends. Yeah, and the late, great Bobby Bowden is going to be honored uh, uh, as FSU opens up their game in Tallahassee against Notre Dame on Saturday. College football is back, and last but not least, we'll have some U.S. tennis open uh, updates. Mm, okay, and then we have our ace in the hole, David Zia, who uh, he's going to, this is guy, he's so good, he's getting us guests, he's got us John Solomon tonight, which appreciate it, and uh, in, tomorrow night, I believe he's going to get us De Niro and the Pope. Yes. Is that true? Any not necessarily that? in that, that order. Um, so how you um, doing? I'm very good. Tomorrow we might have uh, Eric Greitens, uh, governor of uh, uh, you know uh, former well, governor of Missouri, candidate for Missouri Senate, working on that one for you guys. Um, so uh, really quick this morning, I participated with John Fredericks in a panel on America's Voice AM. John Fredericks, the legendary John Fredericks, with Real America's Voice News outside the Beltway, interviewed President Trump. And it was an hour-long interview, and it was awesome. And I have a recap for you guys later. All right. Very good. Very good. I, will, uh, I hope we have some edits of that. Um, but let's get right into Afghanistan. Uh, you know, Rick, you were talking about the report from Reuters. And obviously, John Solomon is one of the last great journalists available to us. Um, I mean, look, journalism's dead. We got a guy like John Solomon coming on. It's great. So what are you getting from Reuters? Uh, well, this was breaking late this afternoon. Uh, and the last call between 
Joe Biden and the Afghan president. Just before the Taliban seized control a few weeks later, the leaders discussed military aid, political strategy and messaging tactics. But neither Biden or Ghani, the president of Afghanistan, appeared aware or prepared of the immediate uh, danger. The entire country was falling to insurgents. They spoke for roughly 14 minutes. And uh, basically what happened as part of the transcript of the phone call, Biden offered aid of Ghani, the president of Afghanistan, would publicly project that he had a plan to control the spiraling situation in Afghanistan. This, this is a quote. We will continue to provide close air support if we know what the plan is, Biden said. Days before the call, the U.S. carried out strikes on uh, to support Afghan forces. Uh, the U.S. president also advised Afghani. Uh, advised Ghani to get buy-in from powerful Afghans and military strategy going forward and put on this warrior in charge effort. Basically, you know, telling everybody, uh, no, 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 things are great here. Don't worry about it. We've got everything under control. Mm. Mm. It's basically to lie about the perception of what was going on in Afghanistan and that the Taliban was basically taking parts of the country uh, very quickly and very quietly. And then Biden offered uh, support, air support, if Ghani agreed to lie. Uh, this right. is impeachment it's, it's, stuff. Uh, you know, it's this is impeachment worthy. And, and this was a poll that came out really before this news has hit the mainstream. You know, Rasmussen poll has 52 percent of voters say Biden should resign and 60 percent favor impeachment over Af- Afghanistan. I mean, it, it, it the hits just keep on coming for this this goofball in charge. So, yeah. And. So basically what we're finding out, because this is a leaked transcript, um, kind of sounds familiar, right? From a couple of years ago, so, some leaked transcript yeah. with a leader of another country. Yeah, from Vindman. And uh, Vindman. I wonder if uh, we'll see calls for impeachment. Because let's face it, what he's doing here is, is he telling every, he's telling this guy, hey, go out there and lie to your people. I'll lie to my people. We'll tell every, everybody everything's okay. And uh, don't, don't worry about it. I mean, how many impeachable offenses does he have already when you really think? I mean, this guy, none of the, it's, it's, it's really mind-boggling to me at this point that everything he's done, it, it, it looks so beyond incompetent. It, it just it, it looks as if he's deliberately trying to create chaos at this point. Well, um, to leave the weaponry behind, to leave all those Americans behind, these, these text messages where people, are, you know, generals are saying we're leaving expletive deleted our, our people, American people behind. And, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. Forget about all the corruption his family's history has. Forget about the kind of money his son sells his artwork for to anonymous buyers. Forget about, you know, all the collusion with Burisma. Forget about everything he's done. We talked about it before he took office that he wouldn't get security clearance to enter the Oval Office if he was a civilian. Think about that. Yeah, and Trump alludes to it. Uh, he believes, I'm a little more cynical, but he, uh, Trump believes that it's gross incompetence in the administration. Um, so, you know, we'll get into that later, but yeah. Yeah, he, he also said that, uh, and, and these are quotes from Biden. He goes, I, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. There needs to be, whether it's true or not, there needs to be, uh, you need to project a different picture, he told Ghani. Uh, and, and again, these are quotes. That will change perception, he said, and that will change an awful lot, I think. Yeah, well, maybe we could cut to cut three here. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, um, this is what he thinks. 
Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, quote, Joe Biden left behind Americans. He left behind vetted Afghan allies who risked their lives for our soldiers. A disgraceful lack of leadership from an incompetent president. Your response? My response is that leadership means taking a look at the situation and asking the hard question, what is going to be in the best interests of the United States of America, those American citizens still in Afghanistan? I mean, does this guy, who's Jake Sullivan? He looks like my paper boy. Are you kidding me with this guy? It just, it just doesn't stop. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's truly stunning. I, I, it's, well, you know, I'm a blabbermouth and I have no words. Well, you know what? He's got his, you know, Biden needs his people out there spinning for him because he can't do it. He can't articulate a, a, a thought correctly. Well, at least there's some good news. Um, John Kirby told us we're all going to be OK. Cut number five, G. The other issue is what did we turn over to the Afghan forces as we retrograded out of the country and what they did with it? And of course, we know uh, that there's quite a bit of material in in the batch that the Afghans had that the Taliban now uh, have access to. There's no question about mm-hmm. that. But what I would tell you about this, Dan, is the kinds of equipment we're talking about, while certainly there's a lethality component to it, it doesn't threat. It doesn't pose a threat uh, to the United States. It doesn't pose a threat uh, to, uh, to neighboring nations. I mean, these are are not these are not the kinds of things uh, that the Taliban can make great strategic use out of. What? <laughs> 20 million rounds of ammo? 20 million rounds of ammunition? Ah, it's nothing. 22,000 Humvees? 20 million ain't what it used to be, though, right, folks? He'd be a pittance these days. He tried to do the Jedi mind trick. These are not the kinds of things the Taliban can use. Don't worry. I mean, can we just replay that? But can you put the crazy town music with it? Right. I mean, that was... That? No, I know you can. I uh, I know you're great at what you. Oh, by the way, I owe uh, Fran and you an apology. Last night in the in the in the show flew by last night. I never said thanks. What a great job you guys did. You guys make the show easy for us to get done. So thank you very much. I just um, push buttons uh, <laughs> and cut <laughs> clips all day for us. Um, Come on, I, man. <laughs> nice. We gotta put this over here for you. Like you're my you're Fred tonight. Um what about what cut was that where Trump says what he thought about this equipment be yeah, go cut fourteen. Let's hear uh, President Trump. You know, you just look from a common sense standpoint, why wouldn't you fly the planes out? You have many, many planes there. Why wouldn't you at least fly them out? Let's say you have a problem with an army tank, which you don't. They get onto a plane. But why wouldn't you have flown all of those airplanes and the helicopters and the Apaches, which I don't even want to tell you how much they cost each, and they were brand new. Some of them were brand new. They hadn't even virtually been used. Mm-hmm. And, and they're massively expensive. Why wouldn't you fly it out? Just get some people, bring them in, and let them make their journey back to this country. Go through Pakistan, go anywhere you want to go. And fly all of that billions of dollars worth of equipment out. It's the most incompetent thing I've ever seen. Yeah, he said, uh, and to uh, add to that, he also said, why don't you have 200 pilots go in there, fly them all to a nearby country, and get them out of there? But he talked about his plan, you know, which was any Americans die, anything's off the table, and we're going to bomb you to glass again. And uh, he also said um, that. You know, you, we were going to get the people out first, our people out, then the planes and equipment, and then we were going to um, close background. You know, what's truly stunning to me is all 20 years and what trillions of dollars and thousands of lives. Forget about the military contractors, the private contract 
you know, contractors that have lost their lives. And forget about all the innocents that Obama and the Bush family murdered innocent people, women wow. and children. But forget about all that. Let's just leave that. This how in all of that time did we not create any kind of infrastructure, any kind of alliance? How was there? How at no point did we ever tap into the lithium, tap into and and help those that country build itself up, build pipelines. Supposedly there's trillions of dollars of, of lithium and oil reserves below there. Why was there never any infrastructure built to get these people, you know, some kind of a, a better life? I, I, I just don't understand they how could, they leave they it, could give the, it to China. the Chinese. You know, it's not easy for us. There's only, a, there's a trillion in materials there. We have six trillion in deposits here. It's very hard to get. You know, it's hard to get it. There's no warm water port to extract it to. It's not as easy as we think to get their materials. And, but we did improve the roads in Afghanistan, and they do have the best cell service in the world because uh, Al-Qaeda, would, a Taliban would hold those towers hostage until we paid them off and let it put up cell towers all over the country. But I hear cell service is terrific. <laughs> <laughs> and what I'm also guessing is with property brought on the rise here, there's great prices on vacation homes in Afghanistan if you're looking. No, don't do that. Uh, We'll be back after this. Uh, We have a lot of clips from tonight. We have the great John Solomon and his special, who he's going to talk about, and hopefully he'll break some news here for us. back live from studio 6b on real america's voice you know all the socials right you know uh get we're on every single social we think i mean a new one just popped up so just try to keep uh just try to stay connected and sharing is caring so please if you're out there you know just get friends get your liberal friends to watch and let's see if we can help if we can make their heads explode <laughs> um let's do some uh sports right now with my ace in the hole slick rick thank you mr nolan uh doing a great job again hosting the show keep it up uh, game one, Major League Baseball, uh, Cincinnati Reds uh, fell to the Cardinals 5-4 to four earlier today. Rockies over the Angels 9-5, to five, and Padres uh, fell to the Diamondbacks 8-3. to three. Mariners won nothing over the Astros, all finals. Game two of the doubleheader with the Reds and Cardinals. Reds now lead 9-1 to one in the bottom of the third. Bottom four, Orioles 2-1 to one over the Blue Jays. Top four, Yankees lead the Angels 3-0. Uh, also top four, Rays over the Red Sox 2-1, and Athletics 3-1. One over the Tigers. Top of the first. All all these games are just underway. Pirates, White Sox, Indians, Royals, and Cubs, Twins, 0-0 scoreless. And Bruins at uh, Brewers at Giants, 9-45. And Braves at the Dodgers, 10-10 first pitch. And speaking of baseball, report that Mets acting GM Zach Scott is facing DWI charges. This is from Zach Washington. Get it over. Yeah, just broke earlier this afternoon. How much money does that guy make a year? You think he, yeah, Paul, I, it, it blows my mind these guys don't get Ubers or, or taxis or something. It's crazy, right? I wish I knew what he, what did he blow, did it say? 
Uh, they did not say where they didn't get his number, but it said New York Post reported Wednesday afternoon that Mets acting general manager Zach Scott was arrested at 4.17 a.m. Tuesday and is facing driving while intoxicated charges after he was caught asleep in his car in White Plains, New York. The Mets quickly released a statement via Twitter at uh, 3.35 today, Paul. Your Mets uh, tweeted out, we were surprised and deeply disappointed to learn this morning about an illegal DUI involving Zach Scott. We take this matter very seriously. Zach will not be traveling with the team for our upcoming road trip Shocking. while we learn more and determine the next steps. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. Well, Doesn't he know nothing good happens after midnight? It gets even Go better, home. Paul. This There was a party at Connecticut uh, at the Connecticut home of team owner Steve Cohen uh, last night. Sources told ESPN uh, there was a fundraiser for the Amazing Mets Foundation. Uh, and apparently uh, Scott and uh, the other players were there. And Jeff Pizan uh, of ESPN uh, reported that as well. Um, and yeah, crazy. So talk so, about a wasted season for the Mets. If I have it correct, that's a wasted season. That's, where's that for the <laughs> The, uh, every time he does one of those puns, I need you to hit that thing. Um, so he was at a party in the rich part of Connecticut. Yes. And he drove to White Plains in New York. Yeah. 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 And fell asleep at the wheel at 417 in the morning. Priceless, Paul. You can't make it up. Unbelievable. He oh. needs a lawyer. He definitely does. And just one more quick one. Florida State to honor late iconic head coach Bobby Bowden during the season. Uh, Zach Wasink of Yard Barker. The Florida State Seminoles and the college football world lost an icon and legend last month when former head coach Bobby Bowden died at the age of 91. Shortly after it was learned, he suffered from pancreatic cancer. On Wednesday, Florida State announced um, how it will honor the man who guided the program to a pair of national championships in 93 and 99 and 12. Get that 12 Atlantic Coast Conference titles during his 34 years with the University. Uh, Bowden's logo that includes a depiction of the hat he wore on the sidelines and his Bobby signature will be painted on each 25-yard uh, um, uh, yard line opposite of the ACC logos on Bobby Bowden Field. Um, and also a banner with that logo will be uh, installed in the back of the south end zone. Additionally, the bumpers found on the backs of players' helmets will feature Bowden's signature. Polo shirts worn by coaches will include a Bowden patch on the sleeve. Florida State opens up against the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame in Tallahassee, 7.30 p.m., uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be Sunday night as college football kicks off, Paul. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of football it. this weekend, so yeah. good for about That's good a wrap in sports. All right, so let's get back into uh, the news here. Um, what do you got going on, Delgado? I got something that I found that uh, broke a little bit a little while ago. Uh, Joe Rogan has come down with coronavirus. Check this out. The 54-year-old comedian took to Instagram earlier today to share with fans that he, he contracted the virus after being out on the road. He said, I got COVID. Uh, my apologize, but we have to move the Nashville show to Sunday, October 24th. He concluded, much love to you all. The podcast host said that his symptoms included feeling very weary, a headache, feeling run down, fever, sweats, and it all set in overnight. He said, I knew what was going on. Now, check this out. This is the part where uh, it gets interesting. Because upon being tested the following morning, Rogan was informed he had COVID-19. He immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. He said all kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, z prednisone, everything. I even got an anti-D drip and vitamin drip. As you've, as you've heard, ivermectin has been a hot topic lately. Um, 
But Rogan said that after he went underwent such treatment, he feels much better. Here we are on Wednesday, and I feel great. I really only had one bad day. Sunday sucked. Monday was better. Tuesday felt better. And today, I feel good. I actually feel pretty effing good. So, <laughs> <laughs> basically, oh, his health God. status is... is uh, Thumbs up. And he's still set to perform in Nashville on September 3rd, which is uh, coming up in uh, just a couple days. Can you can you picture the crazy liberals at Spotify? Heads oh, my exploding. God. Their, their heads are probably <laughs> melting off their bodies right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this is terrific. Amazing. Oh, that, that's terrific. I love it. So, anyway, um, since we're, we're closing out this, what's this Harry's Adventures boiled peanuts? saving that for the top of the hour it's that big a deal aha all right there's a teaser i, I just teased everybody about harry's uh <laughs> segment boiled peanuts <laughs> hey can we do that the crazy grippy. town i heard you guys didn't didn't get to the crazy town from last night oh that's right i heard that's it was what... hilarious yeah let's do the crazy town we missed it last night You guys work for us in 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 this uh, environment. You answer to us, and I'm asking that you do not pass this policy in Virginia. Thank you so much, Ms. Thomas. We do appreciate you. Phil McCracken. <laughs> Phil McCracken. <laughs> Mike Hunt. Wait, wait. Sulk. Ben Dolk. <laughs> Mahidik. <laughs> Ophelia McHawk. <laughs> Ophelia McHawk. It's an idiot. Eileen Dover. Eileen <laughs> 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 Dover. You go first. Don Kiddick. Don Kiddick. <laughs> Wayne Kerr. <laughs> you gotta be Wayne Kerr. Englishman. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that guy's gotta be removed from his position. Uh, oh, Wayne dead. Kerr. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> He's gotta be removed from his position as a human. Oh my god. As Just, an adult. How did that guy make it this far <laughs> in this planet? Voter fraud. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that's hysterical. <laughs> that is that that couldn't that just that just couldn't be better. I mean, that's hysterical. I mean, I, I yeah. Um, <sighs> who was that guy? Where was that? Does anyone know where that was? That wasn't the school meeting I was at. Though, right, though now God. that's giving me ideas for the next one. <laughs> I mean, to me, it just doesn't get better than that. I love when these dingbats who think they're um, who think they're important can go ahead and. Uh, I, 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 I don't. Well, he never anyway, saw Josh... Porky's. He never saw Porky's. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> or so on that note, this is great. On, after that infantile bit, we have John Solomon, one of the best news guys in the world, coming on our show. A very serious guy, and here we are. He's going to come on to to discuss. His, uh, his show tomorrow night, um, it's a special report uh, on Real America's Voice. The special edition is, is sponsored by the Heritage Action for American... What's that, G? 
Okay. Um, and it's all about the indoctrination of CRT in our schools. So uh, please stick around and uh, show John some love. John Solomon here. Please join me Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Real America's Voice for a television special with my good friends at Heritage Action for America right here on Real America's Voice. We're going to be talking about critical race theory and why so many parents and teachers are opposing it across this country. We're going to have members of Congress. We're going to have experts. We're going to have real parents on the front lines of the fight. And of course, my good friend, Dr. Ben Carson. So make a reservation, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, here on Real America's Voice, Thursday night, for an incredible event. All right, we are back. Live from Studio 6B. So I said we don't waste any time with anything. Let's get right into it. Uh, John Solomon, Just the News, one of the last real reporters in the world. I mean, we're grateful to have him here. So, John, how are you? I'm doing well. Good to join the 6B team tonight. Yeah, it's nice to have you back. It's been a while, so uh, I'm just so glad you don't have to be with that bore, Damon. At least you got <laughs> us. There's no one to defend his honor tonight, now, is there? No, and, and, it's a coup. And, and I know I coup. can outrun him. If he starts coming here, I'll hear him coming down the hall, the big, giant ogre that he is. So um, yeah. before we get into it, it's incredible what you're doing. Uh, it's nice to see... Real reporters doing real work on things like communism in America, like big fan of Trevor Loudon. And uh, I don't know if you've ever done any, any been involved in any of his work, but what you're doing now, sure. especially you being so much more mainstream, I, I just can't commend you enough. So I, I encourage everybody to be here tomorrow night, eight o'clock and tune in. This is important. Save it. Share it. Sharing is caring. John deserves that. So uh, I really want to just get into this right out of the gate. The only real the main question I have is when CRT first came to colleges, you know, it was it was really used as uh, originally being debated in law schools, you know, right. about how it affected laws and how minorities were affected by, I guess you could say, the critical race issues. Um, can you give us a connection on how it transformed itself into colleges, into the way it did, and then trickled its way right down to the ideologues, even in, in kindergartens and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to dedicate a whole segment tomorrow night to tracing its history from uh, early Marxists in Europe to law schools in America, to colleges in America, to K through 12 schools when uh, the teachers unions and the school boards began moving in. Most of the people I talked to said the groundwork for this was laid about 10 years ago, <clears throat> conversations about equity, race in America, and very slowly things were slipped into the curriculum. Uh, uh, training exercises were suddenly launched for teachers with the pressure of the union sitting on top of them. And all of a sudden, something that the Marxists in Europe were uh, in, in Germany were thinking about in the 1920s is suddenly in K through 12 middle America. Uh, it is a remarkable thing how it happened. And a lot of parents were unaware of it until COVID hit. COVID in, a, in one strange way was a blessing because parents started to hear what their kids were hearing at school. And they said, whoa, whoa, hey, that's not what I want my child to hear. 
And that's yeah. how this whole revolution at the school board level began. Which kind of leads me to, uh, I had several questions. I mean, I could talk about this subject all night, but uh, like, you have the people like the Diane Ravages of the world who deny it's even being taught in schools. How right. does she get away with, how do people of her ilk get away with denying that it's being taught and that the versions of it that are being taught are, are just benign and they're all just about, you know, basically everybody's individual life experiences, which I don't deny, and I'm trying to be as reasonable as possible, but yeah. it's still divisive, you know, and it's still kind of odd that people like that just are denying its very existence at the, at really even at the high school level. Yeah, well, the, the, the reason some people will deny it is that they're euphemisms, right? Some, in some school districts, they don't call it critical race error. They call it equity learning or uh, racial reinterpretation of history. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's why a lot of these legislatures recently, when they put these laws in place or when they put the executive orders in place by governors, they said critical race theory or anything that sounds or uh, is derived from it because there has been this semantics game. Oh, we're not teaching CRT, but they have the entire agenda of CRT in there. It was just a semantics game. And listen, the, the reason why parents, I've, I've talked to over 100 parents in the last month about this. Um, the reason why parents are so concerned about it, it's real simple. They want schools to teach their children how to think. They don't want schools to tell their, teaching, uh, their uh, children how, what to think. And then secondly, they don't want a child's first lesson in school to be the color of your skin predetermines your future. You're gonna know your future by what happened three decades ago to your race. That's what critical race theory is teaching. Our, most of the families that are resisting say, I want my child to see the opportunity that they can have, not because of the color of skin, because of the great opportunity that this country provides all Americans. Yeah, uh, it's, again, I could talk about, I'll just, to me, I still don't know where, where is the debate with the people of color in this country that have succeeded, who don't feel oppressed, who feel like we are stoking the flames of racism, the people out there who have risen above all the horrors of the history of this country. Let's be honest, if we zoom out, slavery has been part of every major society, you know, since the dawning of man till even what's going on in Africa today. I believe there's between 800,000 and a million slaves in Africa today. But the people here in America who have succeeded in the business, young business owners and the people out there, like, where is the debate? Where are their voices? How come they're snuffed out? And why won't, why can't we have, why can't we get them in an open forum and at any level discussing how they don't feel oppressed? You are uh, saying something that Bob Woodson, the great civil rights leader, a man who stood alongside Martin Luther King and Verdon Jordan and all those, John Lewis, all those great civil rights leaders of the 60s, he said, listen, in the last 10 to 15 years, there's a group of race hustlers. That's what he calls them. Yep. People who have tried to keep the race racket going, even though the uh, demographic data, the census data, the economic data show really great progress. Listen, the greatest argument against critical race theory is Barack Obama. We had a black president in America. We have a black vice president in America. We have six or seven African-Americans running for governor in 2022. And by the way, many of them are Republican. Uh, the idea that somehow suppression is as bad today as it was during the days of slavery or Jim Crow is laughable. The data shows otherwise, but a lot of people make a lot of money, including Black Lives Matter and all these consultants, these educators, they're no making a lot of money on what uh, Bob Woodson calls the race hustle. Yeah, so David wants to ask you some questions about some of the news you're breaking. So David, 
Uh, if you could take it from here, I'd really like to. Yeah, I want to leave some time uh, for Rick here really quick. Um, do these Afghanistan issues rise to the level of impeachment? Medical students stranded, I'm hearing tonight. Uh, Ghani had his arm twisted on the phone call with Biden uh, to under, uh, you know, estimate the security threat on the conditions. And my last, uh, you know, statement is um, these heartbreaking text messages of people mm. and military saying we're you know, we're effing leaving people, U.S. citizens behind. And, you know, so uh, between just those three things, isn't this impeachable? Well, listen, the American people currently think so. 60% of the people uh, surveyed by uh, Rasmussen reports, including 40% of Democrats, said this rises to, to the level of impeachment. If you talk to Kat Kamek, like I did, the congresswoman from Florida, she believes it's impeachable. Here's the problem. There aren't enough votes with Democrats in control right now to do that. So I think it's set aside like uh, Mitch McConnell did today, but it is sitting in the back of everybody's minds. And each new revelation that comes out that shows us the president of the United States lied to us, that he not only had an incapable uh, Keystone cop uh, exit from uh, Afghanistan, but he may have lied to us. That's what that transcript that came out today is so important about. It clearly shows unequivocally that the president was asking the Afghan leader before he fled town, hey, help me come up with a better narrative because this Taliban winning narrative is not good for us. I, I that guess... is not what you want your president to, to be saying. And then you go to the text messages, right? Yeah. The very moment that we have Jen Psaki and, and uh, John Kirby and all the Biden administration spinsters up on the podium saying, any American that wants to get out is going to get out. The State Department, the military knew that was not the case. They were turning people away at the gate. People had gotten through the Taliban checkpoints. All they needed was a military officer in the United States to open that gate. They were left behind. Yeah, I just wanted to add before we turn it over to Rick. Um, it reminds me of Obama's hot mic moment. We'll be more flexible after the election. These Democrats have zero foreign policy abilities, in my opinion. Um, so thank you so much for everything you do. Yeah, John, we appreciate it. And, and, you know, just following up on what David was talking about real quick. Um, now, this this transcript was, quote unquote, leaked. Um any idea where something like that could have come from? Because I know you have experience with people showing up at your doorstep at weird hours. <laughs> That's true. Unfortunately, this transcript or the audio didn't show up at my doorstep, darn it. But the text messages did, so that's a good thing. Um, yeah, listen, uh, there are clearly elements inside the current intelligence world that are very concerned. And here's what you have to learn about Washington. Intelligence agencies are with the president until the president throws them under the bus. And they started to see the Biden team start to say, oh, man, we had bad intelligence. They were wrong about this. And they said, oh, wait a second. We were going to show the president knew a month ago this is going south and he's trying to twist the arm. This clearly came out of the intelligence realm. And I think we're going to see many more leaks like it. Uh, some will be true. Some will be, you know, uh, bloated and not true. But the bureaucrat, these permanent bureaucracies, the same ones that gave Donald Trump so much t trouble, they'll never allow themselves to be thrown under the bus. And this was a fastball up at Joe Biden's chin. Hey, you throw the intelligence community under there. We got the goods on you. Right. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, when when Schumer told Trump, uh, you know, the intelligence a agency has seven ways from Sunday to get back at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's now, a true story. Now, real quick, shifting gears over to the election audits. Um, anything new that you're hearing? Because and after listening to, to Seth Ketchell talk a lot about the audits and because he's such, you know, former military intelligence, he's a math yeah. whiz with numbers and, and statistics and stuff. Um, do you think they're going to be able to audit Texas? 
You know, there's a lot of discussion about that right now. And given what we've seen in other major urban areas, you have to assume that went on, what went on in Detroit and Philadelphia, particularly in Atlanta, which I've chronicled for quite a bit through open records requests, Houston and Dallas look suspect, right? We ought to take yeah. a look and see what went on in those cities. Uh, I think uh, Texas will be a prime debate. It'll be interesting to see if they go there. One of the most important things is Texas just passed laws to make sure that some of the things that went on in 2020 won't be repeated in 2022. Governor Abbott's going to sign that. That's going to become law. A lot of what happened in 2020 were Republicans asleep at the switch as the Democrats, often minorities in these states, dictated the rules and no one on the Republican National Committee seemed to be paying attention or care or act. Uh, a lot of that's been tamped down. We, we see restrictions now on drop boxes. We're not going to have this mass mail out thing in many of the states. California is an exception, of course. But, um, you know, uh, whether we ever resolve 2020, it is clear that 2022 will be a different election in 13 or 14 of the most important states in America. All right. Yeah. I mean, just speaking to that, you know, we see the flood of illegals coming over the border and being shipped yeah. to swing states. Is <laughs> Do you think that has anything to do with trying to pump up some numbers when they can't get away with uh, maybe uh, some shenanigans, if you will? And I'll try I got enough gray hair to remember that in 1996, Al Gore and Bill Clinton tried something similar. Let's get as many immigrant citizens before the vote. They clearly had the election in mind using illegal or using immigrants and getting them to citizen status. Back in those days, no one imagined illegals being there. And a hundred, a uh, hundred thousand of those people out of the 750 Clinton wanted to legalize were on the FBI watch list for fe <laughs> felonies. Charming little story. <laughs> so, so John, with all your clout, maybe we can just send a bunch of. Uh, you know, uh, bilingual Republicans to the border and we could just start training the immigrants who come in to become Republicans. We'll, we'll teach them trade skills. We'll help naturalize them. We'll, we'll teach them the benefits of individual liberty. Maybe we can have a whole program under your watch well, not so much your watch, but yeah, maybe you I'm, could not saying, I, I made, I'm not made for politics, but I will say this. There's a large number of Cubans that have come here that share the Republican Party's values. And we forget when we talk about the Hispanic population, how conservative they are. And you're now seeing other parts of the Hispanic population, particularly Catholics, those Catholics, those yep. that escape socialist companies, they're trending towards the Republican Party. Now the question is, Will Ronald McDaniel be able to capitalize and kind of put a program together to make them permanent voters of the Republicans? John, you are the man. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate you. I mean, we're just grateful for the work you do. And you're Thanks, the man. Guys. Thanks a lot. Hey, Love everybody out there, um, Real America's Voice tomorrow night from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, uh, sponsored by the Heritage Action for America. It's about indoctrination regarding CRT in our schools and how people can fight back. Just please join us. Be part of it. Support John Solomon and share everything he does. Everybody live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice, Dish Network 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus 1029. And uh, wherever you're watching us, if you're in uh, social media groups, just do us a favor and we'll come back and review it. Let us know your favorite platform to watch us. Maybe you just go directly to live from Studio 6B.com. Join the chat there. The chat there is getting funny. The Telegram group is great. The Discord group is great. Gab's got over 800 people. Yep. So we really appreciate all the love we're getting. I think Damon's on doing more and more with Rumble, uh, which is great. Um, I just also want to do is this. Uh, last week, we set a personal record. 
for the most sales we've ever made on uh, from my pillow. So I want to thank everybody for supporting us. Um, so if you can go to MyPillow.com, use our code LFS6B, get up to 66% off uh, today. You're supporting Mike Lindell. The guy has put it all on the line. Yep. He's bet everything he's got on America and Trump and election integrity. And God bless that guy. I know people he's, have labeled him as a nut and a quack, but he doesn't care who thinks what. He knows what he knows, and he's going to keep fighting for the truth. Uh, but the the pillows are great. The mattress toppers, towels, the geezer dream sheets. Slick Rick? Absolutely. As I say every night, they're gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> Wash well and really sleep good. Luxury, luxurious sleeping. You know what, Rick? Why don't we do, uh, give us a little sports. And I'd like to get that Ben Swan report so we have, maybe have a little time for both. Let's sure. see what get it in. Now here's one. Unvaccinated NBA players won't be able to play home games in some markets. This is from Sports Nuts. Speaking of nuts, uh, Vincent Frank uh, is the writer there. Uh, so there's some pretty big NBA news breaking. We less than a month ago before training camp start ahead of the 21-22 season. Sham Sharania <laughs> of The Athletic is reporting that unvaccinated players in certain markets with COVID-19 protocols in place will not be able to play home games. This coming season. Said markets that include New York City and San Francisco. The new protocols do not include non-vaccinated opposing players, which is contradictory, who are exempt from them. Uh, <laughs> to say this could be huge would be an understatement. There's no telling who among the NBA's elite have not received the COVID-19 vaccines. When it comes to the three teams in these two markets, Brooklyn Nets, New York Knicks, and also Golden State Warriors. What happens if James Harden, Kyrie Irving, or Kevin Durant refuse to get vaccinated? Same for uh, Stephon Curry, Clay Thompson, or Draymond Green in San Francisco. So very interesting how the NBA is going to dribble around this one. Hey, uh, real quick, we've known we've we <laughs> thanks. <laughs> That's great. Um, think about it, right, David, uh, Rick. Um, bl- the black Americans don't want the vaccine. They're the least yeah. vaccinated. And now yeah. it's about 70 percent. Yeah. And I believe wow. some reports have it even higher. And I believe it's because they have more distrust for the government yep. than the average well, citizen. Okay. So this is an interesting clash of cultures here, is it not? One of the problems is that like in New York, diabetes runs eight times higher in the black community. There's no public service announcements for black people who especially live north of the 35th parallel to take a daily regimen of the preventatives, including D and zinc and magnesium probiotic blend and all this stuff. You know, there's no public service message for the black community. Ever. And then they're going to put like the, Christina Parks, who was awesome yesterday, said, how many blacks are we going to put out of work? You know, because of these rules that, you know, they don't feel comfortable getting vaccinated. It's amazing. We have a new form of segregation. And once again, who's at the helm of segregating our population? What else you got, Rick? Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo breaks all-time men's international scoring record during clutch win over Ireland. Chris Seawick of Yahoo Sports. There's a new men's international soccer scoring champion, and his name is Cristiano Ronaldo. During Wednesday's game against Ireland in the World Cup qualifying, Ronaldo scored twice in the final minutes to give Portugal a 2-1 to win and break the mark held by Iran's Ali Day, who scored 109 goals in 148 international games from 93 to 2006. It was Ronaldo's 110th international goal in 180 games. The 36-year-old made his international debut back in 2003. So, hey, hats off to him. That's a that's quite a feat in the soccer world. But, well, and, did you just do it again? That's quite a feat. Quite a feat. You got it. <laughs> and, Paul, I'm going to kick the ball back to you because I know you got a lot to cover in this segment. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this is great. Well, you got to take this thing over, Delgado. Um, listen, we have uh, this clip is three minutes and 50 seconds. Do you think we have enough time to do it? You want to just bang this out? Because it's really good reporting from Ben Swan at, at uh, 
um, you know, Ben's just a tremendous another. Well, you know, we had John Solomon who's great. Uh, ben Swan's great. What do you think? It's yeah, three minutes and fifty seconds. All right, let's roll this. This is on herd immunity. Ben Swan, one of the last good independent reporters out there. We're here in Milan, Italy today, and we continue this series across Europe, taking a look at the pushback that's going on against mandatory vaccines and against the Green Pass. But something I wanted to kind of pause and talk about today is this issue of natural immunity, because it's been very surprising to me as an American citizen traveling through Europe that virtually every single country in Europe readily recognizes that natural antibodies that occur from contracting COVID are a legitimate form of of immunity. And yet in the United States, we don't recognize that at all. Our government pretends that is not a valid form of immunity. In fact, in both New York and San Francisco, the first two cities to institute vaccine passports in our country, natural immunity is not even on the list of resistance to COVID. Why is that? It certainly raises a lot of questions. Now, the first question some of you will have is, well, is natural immunity actually something that works against COVID? And the answer to that is an emphatic yes. According to the NIH back in January, the immune systems of more than 95% of people who recovered from COVID-19 had durable memories of the virus up to eight months after infection. Again, that was in January of this year, but in May, researchers from Australia did another study that was published in Nature Magazine. And what that found was that COVID antibodies don't just last eight months. In most cases, they last a lifetime. According to research published in the journal Nature, Ellaby's team tracked antibody production in 77 people who had recovered from mostly mild cases of COVID-19. As expected, SARS-CoV-2 antibodies plummeted in the four months after infection, but this decline slowed and up to 11 months after infection, the researchers could still detect antibodies that recognized the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Now the hope was that vaccines would do the same thing. They would emulate that natural immune response and ultimately that people would have lifelong antibodies after taking the vaccine. But you wanna know the truth? That has not happened. In fact, the opposite has happened. Instead, what we're finding now is mass vaccine failure in almost every major country that has undergone some kind of mass vaccination campaign. And as that is happening, some countries are now admitting the only way to herd immunity would be through natural immunity, including in the country of Iceland. Iceland, by the way, has the third highest vaccinated population in the entire world. 73% of its population has been vaccinated, 93% of people over the age of 16. And yet, Right now, Iceland has more active COVID cases than it's ever had before. Why is that? Because of something called vaccine failure. That's what's taking place there. And as a result of that, more and more people are getting sick. Now, the country's top epidemiologist is admitting something absolutely stunning. What he is admitting is that vaccines cannot and will not ever get Iceland to herd immunity because of the failure that they're now seeing. And he admits the only way to get there, he says, is through natural immunity. That's right, contracting COVID and then recovering from it. While data shows vaccination is reducing the rate of serious illness due to COVID-19 in Iceland, the country's chief epidemiologist says it has not led to the herd immunity that experts hoped for. In the past two to three weeks, the Delta variant has outstripped all others in Iceland, and it has become clear that vaccinated people can easily contract it as well as spread it to others, he stated in a briefing. And this is a fascinating development because again, Iceland, has the third largest population of people vaccinated in the entire world. And now they admit defeat in terms of reaching herd immunity through vaccines. So again, it raises this question. Why is that not considered a legitimate way of reaching herd immunity in the United States? Any medical expert who refuses to acknowledge it 
must be questioned about why that is and whether or not this is really about achieving immunity or are these vaccine programs really about just pushing the population into mass compliance because more and more it appears that that is the only motivation here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just as thorough as it gets. Yeah, between, between the mass compliance and the, you know, mass distribution of wealth to the pharmaceutical companies, yeah, that's basically all uh, it is. I have two quick things. By the way, only 33 people, I think, have died in Iceland, and they're like 180th out of 200 countries in the world in, in uh, Corona. So, you know, I understand what he's saying, but they're not really suffering like other countries, and uh, Pfizer came out. Uh, there was a report today. Just I so think you he's guys... talking about it from a per capita standpoint, right? It's, it's talking about 93% of the population over 16 has been vaccinated, yeah. but now they're having record numbers of the Delta variant and well, COVID. So that's Their record me is... numbers are like, you know, a couple of thousand cases, you know, um, out of the whole country. But I understand. And there was a, a big story today um, that Moderna produces – Twice as many antibodies as Pfizer. We'll be back Pfizer. right after this. We're gonna we're gonna we're up against it. So uh, stay tuned for the top of the hour. Our you know our one kick butt. One was fun. We'll keep it true. And number two, thanks for joining us here on Real America's Voice. We could not be happier about uh, not having Damon around. It's so much more fun. Everyone treats each other nicely out here. Uh, I'm just kidding, big guy. Ah, uh, we miss um, him. No, we miss him. Come on, we got. We need the big Come guy on, back man. running the ship. But uh, so uh, you know, we're on all the socials. Please share us, and uh, we have quite a treat coming up right now. From what I understand. Uh, <laughs> Harry's Corner is back. Yeah. And I understand. And, 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 and they brought snacks. Harry has discovered a new food that he likes. A superfood. <laughs> Which is terrific. <laughs> um, I don't know where we're going with this, Geo. Are we going to play this clip first? Well, are we introducing a man? All right, yeah. let's roll that clip. We're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> we're going to get Jarvis is going to get boiled peanuts, pecan pie, honey, cider, this is an experience. You're a New Yorker. You I'm need to get Yorker. out of the car. No, I'm, I'm going to sit up here and observe. We're <laughs> staying just outside of uh, Conway, South Carolina. Wow. Right off the side of the road. Okay, so let's see how you eat these suckers. I forgot the vital element. What did I forget? You have to have a bag or a cup to put the shells in. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, you saved me. How can a true southerner not know that? Well, I've, I got excited. It's very moist. You just crack it open. You know, and you find the center there. Okay. Yeah. Let the juice run out. That juice really juicy. And you just... It's like you doing <laughs> muscle. Yeah. Okay. And the juice on the inside is real good. Yeah, the juice is the best. Alright. I'm going to indulge in one. It's hot. It's good, hot. Mm. 
least what? <laughs> not, not, I'll just stick to my Reese's, just saying. <laughs> not, not my cup of tea. Love peanuts, but I don't like them wet. And they get all over you like this. Slurping. I'd rather be slurping on a muscle. <laughs> <laughs> or an oyster. I think I'm an Italy. With champagne. We're <laughs> <laughs> just not southern yet. No. <laughs> Joey Buttafuoco? <laughs> I haven't had skunk yet. <laughs> Harry's Adventures coming up on Harry's Corner next on Live from Studio 6B. Skunk, let's see it. <laughs> now, I have to admit, that was riveting television. It was. That was terrific. How you guys doing, Amanda, Harry? Hi. Thank you. Thanks for uh, joining us. <laughs> hey guys, how are how you, you so doing? Thank you for having us. I have to tell you guys. David oh, knows that I'm a southern gra a southern gal and from Alabama, so I I'm I consider myself to be a connoisseur of these types of things and boiled peanuts happens to be on the list. Harry is not quite as far along on no, his journey to no. becoming a redneck. So I'm going to continue finding really good boiled peanuts across the nation to give him. It was very wet, as I said, and <laughs> moist and uh, just. Uh, Listen, so, uh, but we have a story. Imagine, we have a story to talk about. You would imagine what? his refined palate. Yeah. Would have been able to pick up the nuances yes. of the boiled peanut. Right. Uh, Harry, what was wrong with the besides its it, consistency? Yeah. <laughs> there was no salt and there was a lot of slurping going on. They needed on a lot of salt and for there was sure. Zero salt. And, yeah. And not that I like that much salt, but it was just and it was wet. It was wet. But but we have a little bit of a story because of the whole peanut wet episode, Amanda. Now, yes. now is that because you so, prefer your wait, peanuts on, uh, regular? Um, oh, saute or au gras? Dry. Yeah, dry. El you sit there and... <laughs> El dante. <laughs> El, El dante is the best, yes. <laughs> he even brought up the notion <laughs> of fried peanuts, which <laughs> I've never had, so I guess that makes me yeah, a bad yeah, southerner. Said, Let's fry it. Let's fry it. Everything's <laughs> fried down here. Dry I mean, roast. Every single thing you could think of. Uh, a, a dandelion, they'll fry it, right? So I'm figuring, let's fry a peanut. Maybe we'll do that. It tomorrow. keeps us Southerners healthy, you know. Keeps our figures. Yeah, it's so. Harry, so, so we're, 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 Harry, we're driving you... in the car. We wait. Didn't Amanda have a story? We let Amanda right? tell so us her driving. story. Well, I, I, I'm just building up to the story. Right, so I don't know what, what the story I'm sorry. is. You know the story. We're, Was I sleeping? We're driving. Oh my gosh! And she it, goes. Stop the car! Stop oh my gosh. the car! We got, we got I hope my out. husband's not out. watching. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! What happened? Uh, I really hope my husband's not watching, but I did just tell him I was about to be on air. Um, so, oh, this is awful. I'm shaking thinking about it. Um, I lost my engagement ring. How did you lose uh, So, we were driving along. We had just, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We had like just left this it. peanut place. <laughs> I, I did find it, thank God, in the bag of the shells With of the, the peanuts. And, and, and as soon as she gets out and she's jumping around, I said, did you check the bag of the wet peanuts? That was finally she checked the bag, and thank God we found yeah. the ring. But it was oh. me and three men trying to keep me calm, searching our minivan. On the side of a road in Skunksville, you know, guys, North Carolina. Uh, I love pecan pie. I can die when I'm done with that. And uh, I had Miss Mabel's chicken in Maryland. I've eaten fried chicken from Mississippi to New York. you got to go to Miss Mabel's in College Park, Maryland. Off the hook, psycho good, unbelievable. Just saying. <laughs>
So on the Maybe next world we'll tour, we'll all, a, we'll take uh, this whole show on the we'll road. Episode next there. world yeah. tour. Yeah, do <laughs> Harry's Corner. Yeah, Harry's Corner at Mabel's Kitchen. And I got to tell you something, guys, all joking aside, and I was telling Damon earlier today, and Amanda can back me up. So we had about 100 people stuck around out of, out of the 300 people, about 100, because it got late, What wanted, couldn't wait to be with Livewood Studio 6B last night. And they all wanted to speak to you guys, and I couldn't get a connection with my phone for them to speak to Damon. But the fans, and this is all, I'm all serious about this, the fans out on the road that talk about you guys, Rick, Rick Delgado, Paul, Damon, always busting on me. And, and, and people come up to me, no matter, I could be in a cornfield, all, all kidding aside, <laughs> and they say, are you Harry from Harry's Corner? Now, well, how many times, guys, have I been on? Six, seven times? Yeah. And I say, yeah, I am. I mean, it's the they, fans out here are crazy. They love the show. And, and I think one of the things they love the most about you guys is, you know, we've got politics for 11, 10, 11 hours, hours out of the day. And it's, you know, it, it's scintillating. And, you know, we have wonderful hosts who present the news in an exciting way. But there's just a different flair, and there's a different flavor to to what you guys put on the news. It's it's a little bit of spice. Yeah, it's it is. A little bit of zest is. on the news, and people absolutely love it. So kudos well, really to you nice, guys. guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate yeah, that. We're like the boiled peanuts of the of the network. So, you know what? Tomorrow you got to go get some Brunswick <laughs> stew. You got to get some Brunswick stew. Uh, David, are you hungry over there? I'm starving. Yeah, we're looking. <laughs> David we're, is we're actually a master good, chef. We're looking for some yes. good fried chicken tomorrow we want some good fried chicken we're gonna hunt for the fried chicken tomorrow oh some of the best fried, uh, fried chicken I was they in have it. to come to burbank for my homemade fried chicken oh my god got to do it i was on the road back from um uh, tupelov where we went to the trump rally and i had to make the memphis airport but i had to stop at four in the morning at a gas station and i had incredible fried chicken <laughs> with the homeless guy outside it was amazing <laughs> 4 15 a.m wanted to die <laughs> what are you the mets gm over there <laughs> Are you, are you drinking all night? <laughs> triple D. Uh, triple only Dave. David's here. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Only David's so here. Only David. And, and we could be anywhere in the country, and we have been with David. And David, like, he, 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 he's very conscious, very health conscious at home. But when he's on the road, it. he'll hit seven or eight different places <laughs> and just talks about the food all day. And he'll go to 530 in the morning, and he's at an 8 a.m. call, you know, going over the production schedule. I I was a little disappointed in you, David Zier, though, because when I knew you were in Tampa, I texted you and I said, you have to go to Burns Steakhouse. I couldn't get a res. world famous. I couldn't get a reservation. <laughs> okay. I tried, right. but thank All you. Right. Next time. You're off the hook, but next time we're there, we're going. Hey, Gio, can you time, order a so pizza why are we David? here in <laughs> <laughs> With boiled peanuts so, on it. So, guys, you, you ask. With boiled peanuts, that's the whole new thing. So you ask why we're sitting here in Cartersville, Georgia. Explain to the people why we're here. So we have our live event here uh, at a church nearby from 6 to 8 p.m. We've got two gubernatorial candidates, Candace Taylor and Vernon Jones, who has nice. been on our network many <laughs> times. And so we've got both of them. We've got John Fredericks, who is going to dip in. As you guys know, he does his show from Georgia very often. And then also Steve Bannon is going to be joining us for the first, I think, half hour. First half segments. hour. So, oh, wow. he's taking questions and from he's the going audience. to be taking questions. And something that we're going to do to change things up going forward, especially when we have candidates for Congress or people who are elected officials, as opposed to like pastors and, and political activists and people like that. When we have people who represent the people, 
we are going to make it more of a town hall type style interview. So instead of uh, instead of Ben and I being on stage asking questions, we're going to take questions from the people in the audience because guess what? The people in the audience are the people who voted or could vote for them. So we think it's important for their voices to be heard more than mine and Ben's. Well, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So how many cities have you guys hit along this tour? This is our second city on this tour, but this is our this is the fourth leg of our tour. The four, first tour was along the border in Texas. Then we were in Philadelphia, Virginia, Tennessee, wow. then Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, and then this leg is South Carolina and Georgia. And on to wow. all the rest and of them. And on to all the rest, yeah. We're thinking about uh, the wow. end of the month, and we're just working on logistics, hitting, hitting Fort Walton, Florida, the panhandle, very big military area there. Think then heading up to Arkansas, and I believe we're gonna, depending on how the, how it is, we, we want to hit New Orleans right before that mayor race. So that that we're looking for the last week of September if logistics works out. Well, that's impressive. I mean, guys, you're really out there one promoting the network. More importantly, you know, really doing a great job promoting the right people. You know, for, let's be honest. I mean, the 2022 election is. It's the end of the line, really. I mean, if we don't, if we don't take, you know, yeah. we don't make some changes across this country, sweeping changes across this country, we are in deep, deep, deep trouble. So, hey, hey, real quick question too. Yeah. Speaking about yeah. elections, have you got a lot of feedback from the people in terms of what they think happened? Have they to- told you any stories about what they think went on in their districts and their states? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and what they could be doing to help, you know, kind of fix this problem. Yeah, every state that we've been in and and nearly every locality, election fraud, of course, is one of the main topics because here, you know, nine months later, eight months later after the inauguration, people are still very angry about it. And it's because you are seeing these audits and, and all of these investigations across a bunch of different states and people are seeing what's coming out and they're and and they are growing even more righteously indignant to steal a phrase from from uh, Breitbart. Um, yeah, that's been the the biggest topic. But we had count we had a county solicitor on last night, and county solicitors, as you guys know, were kind of the legal tip of the spear when it comes to elections. And he was talking about how even South Carolina, they have issues. So even states that you think are secure, you've got people from blue states who are moving there, who are who are trying to liberalize these states and move. You know, with with like the consent decree with Stacey Abrams in Georgia, they are trying to implement policies and election laws circumvent the state legislature, which is against almost all of these state uh, constitutions, circumvent them to pass these election laws so that they can basically, you know, 2022 is a prototype. They're gonna use that going forward if we don't fix things. Absolutely, and they've been doing it for years. We've seen the Democrats doing it, they've perfected it, but we're up against a hard break. You guys are terrific. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate it, guys. Stay safe and keep having fun out there. Thank Thank you, guys. Bye, everybody. Okay. Oh, 
Okay. Welcome back in live from Studio 6B. Sharing is caring. You guys are doing a great job out there. Uh, the messages across the social media are great, especially on live from Studio 6B. You guys are a riot. I want to thank Zinc Man and Leon and, and Mandy and, and Bartab. I mean, there's some really cool people here. I'm yeah. just so grateful. Real Kono, Prince Style is on there. Kono. <laughs> we got a lot of good ones on there. CrossFit Girl. 21. Uh, we have PO'd veteran on there. He's uh, given, you know, it's just great stuff. Uh, deplorable Dave's always fun. Yeah. Um, just can't thank you guys enough for the support, the love, the respect, the decency. And honestly, you guys keep it so classy in the message box while being funny as heck. So we're grateful for that. Uh, and also while we're doing it, like we should really just say one more time, mypillow.com support mike lindell support damon and the show damon geo friend these guys i mean they do everything they can to keep bringing this show to you guys every night and uh you know it helps keep the bills paid so if you use our code lfs6b and there's a lot of people have codes out there but i don't know up to 66 percent we might have the best code so check that out and uh and get some geese dream sheets and and thank you so much for the support so we were talking about where we go, right? There's so much news. There's so much. There's so much to talk about. There's so much systematic chaos. David, what were you just saying at the break? That this breaking stories and uh, can you can you bring bring us up to date? Yeah. On what you so just... according to Media Research Center, and I love Brent Pozell. I I've, I've spent time with him over the years. Been following him for thirty years. He has a story from Jorge Benilla, who's head of his Latino division for Media Research Center Newsbusters. He says that former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense Roger Potter Mora, who was served from 01 to 06 under W, um, he was on Univision today, and he said the DOD, Department of Defense, had foreknowledge of the Kabul bomber and denied permission to fire to the Predator drone that had a lock on the bombers on their way to the airport. If this is true... Uh, it just, it, it, the rules of engagement obviously weren't uh, the right way. So we're going to follow up on that. Maybe tomorrow we can have some verification. Yeah, I mean, this is the tip of the iceberg. As uh, John Solomon had said, right, Rick? The, yeah. You cross the CIA, you cross the intelligence community. They run it. They, 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 they run things. I mean, if you get in their way, you're done. And yeah, but, uh, this could be the beginning of a lot of ugly news. And, and again, with that story that David's talking about, I mean, think about that for a moment. They had a lock on this guy, and they didn't. They didn't pull the. Biden wouldn't let them pull the trigger. Basically, that's what happened. Because you know, you remember when when Trump was in office, he gave he gave the generals. He said, "You know what? You guys know what to do. Um, I'm going to let you, you know, carry out your your work." Um, but not in this case. It seems to be going back to the Obama rules of engagement. Is right. you got to run everything up the flagpole. They have to know about it. They will tell you yes or no. And you know what? The fact that they didn't let him pull the trigger, if this is true, and again, we're not really sure just yet, but it's starting to, starting to smell like it is. That's just another, uh, it feels like it's another, uh, you know, kind of kind of check mark off the uh you know this is all this systematic is all pre-planned chaos. yeah systematic chaos Let, I mean, let's crank up the war machine let's let's uh, deliver some bodies and then we'll, we'll have an excuse to wheel out some uh some some equipment and some men again so chief speaking of that uh let's rile up the americans with uh, cut eight taliban celebrates in the remote host province the taliban held another victory rally parading mock NATO coffins. A speaker praised the ISIS suicide bomber who killed 13 U.S. service members and 200 Afghans, saying the Taliban have now established the Islamic State the suicide bomber yearned for. 
you know it's just um it's you know it's the endless amount of uh of disrespect you know let's keep this rolling here let's go to cut nine now let's see darren hoover um the father of uh staff sergeant taylor hoover in reference to the checking of his watch that didn't happen just once that happened on every single one that came out of that airplane it happened on every single one of them they would release the salute and he looked down at his watch on every last one all 13 yeah he looked down at his watch this is unbelievable. and as a father you know seeing that and the disrespect and hearing from his former uh leaders one of his master sergeants said exactly what you just said that this was avoidable that they left them over there they had them over there and let them down and that that we can't have that we it it can't happen ever again man it's just it's just heartbreaking so you know um terry mccran over in sky news uh has a nice commentary on this we might as well keep this rolling right yeah let's keep this rolling let's go cut 10 Biden has copped a bit of a backlash today for, uh, let's have a look at the footage, checking his watch during what is supposed to be a very dignified, somber moment, the transfer of the service members killed in Afghanistan. Uh, Are we being too harsh there, Terry? Was that just a, a habit that people do? Or should he, as president, that should be the last thing you do, wondering what time it is when... Um, you've got family members there who've, who've lost their loved ones. No, we shouldn't be too harsh, Rita. I mean, most 78-year-olds check their watch around 5 p.m. because that's when they have their evening meal. Um, and, you know, <laughs> he, was, he, he was worried that he would miss out. Um, I mean, the bottom... No, we're not being too harsh on Biden. I mean, what we really should be harsh on is the US media, which covered this up for the last 12 months, running into the election in 2020 and since the election in 2020. The real disgrace is the way the mainstream media in the US has behaved in in being part of Mm -hmm. the process of not allowing the reality of Biden uh, to show out. And and this is a very, very, adds to this very, very disturbing situation we now found ourselves in where we don't have the most important country in the world have a leader. The US is literally leaderless. Well, there's always Kamala. I mean, she just inspires so much confidence. So there's that. <laughs> Good God. Amazing. Good God. If, if I could just comment, you yeah, know, uh, Josh Rogan uh, from the Washington Post, uh, he's a journalist, columnist. He said that over 100 Afghans working for the U.S. government were left behind with their families. And the reports are today that the U.S. government stranded 600 State Department journalists and the family members behind in uh, Afghanistan. Oh, man. It's just, uh, you know, th- th- this whole lie of a hundred, maybe a hundred people left behind, just a whole lie. It's just, it's a, t- they're scratching the surface. You're, you're looking at a humongous September 11th event. And it scares me to think about, you know, the, the potential for hostages, what they'll do, how they'll parade them around, how, what they'll do to them on, you know, on video and, and broadcast it to the world. It's sickening. 
Oh man, it's exactly it. It's it's just systematic destruction. I mean, you add this in, you know, you know, we we went four years without real conflict over there, and boom, we stick the hornet's nest to fire it up, and you know, now they're they're shipping people in from from Afghanistan all over the country. It's it, the terrorists are coming over, the flooding over the border. God knows what's next. I mean, this it's just it's literally it's literally crazy. I um I guess we might as well f I don't even know where to begin. I mean, did we do cut 3? We didn't do cut 3 yet. We did, right? Yeah, we did cut 4 or 3. Okay, yeah, we're up against it, right? So, anyway, uh, you know, we got a we have a couple more clips coming up in the, in the, in the last half hour. Um, I want to get to some of the highlights of uh, David. You had uh, some time today with Trump. You have those clips? Uh, yeah, I just had like two minutes of a summary on what he spoke about with the legendary John Fredericks. Yeah, we have Real a couple America's clips Voice. from him as well. So, you know, look, I mean, uh, there's really nothing else to say. This is. We have to get out there at the local level. Everybody's got to get out there and make a difference in their local boards, their schools. They got to get out there for election integrity. Everybody's got to volunteer everywhere they can because we're watching the systematic destruction of democracy and our great republic. So we'll be right back. John Solomon here. Please join me Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Real America's Voice for a television special with my good friends at Heritage Action for America right here on Real America's Voice. We're going to be talking about critical race theory and why so many parents and teachers are opposing it across this country. We're going to have members of Congress. We're going to have experts. We're going to have real parents on the front lines of the fight. And of course, my good friend, Dr. Ben Carson, so make a reservation, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, here on Real America's Voice, Thursday night, for an incredible event. So we are back with live from Studio 6B in what might be the most depressing show of the year. It's been, <laughs> oh, the hits just keep on coming. My God. Well, uh, we did have the crazy town. The, which we might have to Come play on, again. Come on, we might have to play that again. We, might have we had wet nuts. <laughs> yeah, boiled nuts. <laughs> we, had boiled, we had Harry's boiled nuts, which yep. was... This is a standout <laughs> show. Great stuff. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we skipped sports last segment, but let's start right here, Rick. What else you got? All right, well, I just want to do another shout-out to LFS6B, the uh, chat crew. Uh, Tommy Viper and his mom, Karen, from Manistee, Michigan. Great followers and watchers of the show. So shout-out to mom, Karen, and uh, Tommy Viper. And Naomi Osaka advances at U.S. Open after opponent withdraws. Garbin Muguruza and Simona Halep among round two winners. New York defending champion Naomi Osaka advanced to the third round at the U.S. Open earlier today after the withdrawal of her second-round opponent, Olga Danilovic. And... Uh, 
Simona Halep is into the third round for the first time since 2016. Danilovic, uh, a qualifier, was ranked number 145, wrote on social media that she had a non-COVID-related viral illness. Uh, 12-seater Halep rolled to a 6-3, 6-1 victory over Kristina Kukova. Um, and the men's singles right now, number three, Stefano Tsitsipas, hopefully he's not taking a long bathroom break tonight, uh, won the first set 6-3, and <laughs> and the second set he's up one nothing right now, looking like he's going to cruise through an early win. And don't forget tomorrow, PGA Men's Tour Championship kicks off. East Lake Golf Club, Atlanta, Georgia, defending champion Dustin Johnson. The PGA Tour has reached its Super Bowl, or its Game 7, an appropriate analogy, only because the Tour Championship is the final event of the FedEx Cup season. And Patrick Cantlay has a two-shot lead before hitting a shot as the number one seed. And uh, we'll have a full report every night on that as well. So Men's PGA Tour Championship. And one more, Paul. Poulon scores in OT. Canada wins first world title since 2012. AP report from last night. Marie-Philippe Poulon scored in overtime and Canada beat the five-time defending champion United States 3-2 on Tuesday night for its gold medal at the Women's Hockey Championship. Uh, so yeah, the ladies didn't pull it out last night for us. Great game in overtime. In fact, five of the last seven world finals between Canada and the U.S. women have gone to extra time. So really closely contested. Those teams, great rivals. Actually, one of the greatest rivals in sports, and I hope it gets more coverage as time goes on because those U.S. women hockey players, phenomenal. And yeah. that's a wrap, Paul. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. It's uh, it's fun. The girls have done a great – USA Hockey's done a great job uh, really promoting the sport for the girls. It's a great sport for girls. They treat them just like the boys, unlike, unlike like softball uh, and, and – and lacrosse, they, they kind of change the rules and make it more difficult for the girls for some reason or another. I don't know. But, um, guys, I mean, again, like we want to get back to some of the serious stuff here. You know, David, you had a, you were on with John Fredericks uh, this morning, right? And you were on the panel and Trump was on live. And you have some highlights for us? Yeah, I'll tell you about it. But I did have good news. San Francisco is paying people not to shoot people $300 a month. <laughs> So there's some good news today. Um, so awesome. the, legend, the legendary John Fredericks, uh, John Fredericks Radio Network, um, he interviewed Trump today on his radio show. It was an incredible interview for an hour. And I had, you know, I sat in on it uh, over the uh, Skype, and then I was on a panel to discuss it on America's Voice AM. But I just wanted to summarize it. Trump's angry. He says we would have gotten our people out first, then we would have gotten our equipment out first, and then we would have closed Bagram Air Force Base and blew it to smithereens, basically. And he had a deal that was conditional on the withdrawal with the Taliban. You cannot kill Americans. And just some other topics he, t he, he, sat, he chimed in on, which is really awesome. He's so motivated. He thinks there's going to be fraud in Virginia and California's upcoming election. Um, he said that Biden is stalling an Arizona semiconductor chip plant while Taiwan cannot get the product out under the, and there's a threat from China, right? He said those chips should be made in the United States, and he was working towards that. He said the new Georgia voting bill was weak. Um, he said the Trump endorsement of a candidate is a powerful one. He said, where is Durham? He touted the vaccine success, at least in rolling it out, you know, um, and uh, he said we wiped out ISIS in record time, and Fredericks was awesome. 
and he's a veteran. He's been in the trenches for 40, 50 years. Um, Trump loves him, and Fredericks asked him about the $30 trillion debt and the petrodollars with Russia and Saudi Arabia, and just, uh, you know, he said the Biden administration is just completely gross incompetence in Afghanistan and on the border, and 50,000 people wanted tickets to go see him in Coleman, Alabama, which is not an easy place to get to, he said, you know, John Frederick said. So it was an incredible interview. Go to americasvoice.news and check out and download that interview. It's great. Good stuff. Good cool. stuff. Boy, you that was like you just covered the world in two minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, Spanning the globe. You know, there's a couple great agony of my feet. Yeah, you just uh, need that little ticker tape thing in the in the background. Boy, that was great. I don't know. It was like being at my first auction, that was terrific. I, I'll take like I'm like the my guy I, with the I feel like I owe him $30,000 for a crappy painting. Um, <laughs> so clip 15, let's listen to the president. When you look at what happened in Afghanistan, that affects our dollar. That mm. affects our currency. Mm. That affects the psychological, you know, it's largely psychological. And when you have a thing like that happen, John, it's, it's, so, it's so sad. That affects us in so many different ways that people don't even think about <laughs> But no, we're going to be we're going to be at thirty four, thirty five trillion dollars and in deficits, and uh, it's a big problem, John. You know, it's a big problem. The question is, what's going to happen? Well, I have a question as to what's going to happen when all of these states come out and they say we won the election. I mean, you know, what's going to happen? You tell me what's going to happen. But when you, if you have to look, are we going to have a country left in three years? If it keeps going like this, John. You're not going to have a country left. Yeah, man. He's right on the money. Yeah. He's right on the money. I tell you, the other clip that, I, that really, you know, resonated with me is where he said, where the heck, H-E double hockey stick, is Durham? That is cut uh, 16. You guys want to hear more from the president? Yeah, go for it. Cut 16. Is there a rot in our intel agencies now? Because obviously the advice they were giving Millie and McKenzie and uh, Lloyd Austin and the Secretary of State Blinken, obviously there, there was, it was not even accurate. What is going on with our intel agencies? Well, remember I came in and they asked me the question about Putin and, and our intel. And the intel I had was... Uh, Comey and all of that stuff, uh, McCabe, all of, you know, I mean, you look at that side of it, you look at some of the people at CIA, you look, because I have a great relationship with a lot of the people in CIA, and, but the people in the top were horrible. And they were saying, who do you trust? Now, we had just gone through the fake dossier and all of the things, and they're asking me, who do I trust? Well, I can tell you some people I don't trust were the people that I was dealing with. The people, when I got there, there was a rot and a stench like I've never seen before anywhere in anything. Absolutely. And you know all the players, and you covered all the players better than just about anybody. Thank you. And, and if I'm supposed to be saying, oh, great, they're wonderful, I won't say it. I'm not going to say it. Mm. But you do have great people in there. You have some very talented people. But when I got there, they were terrible. They were terrible. They were just terrible, absolutely terrible people. And by the way, where's Durham? Where is Durham? Can you imagine that Durham has disappeared? Let's see what he comes up with. But if he comes up with anything, when I heard they were going to release this during the Biden administration, I said, you got to be kidding. But where the hell is Durham? Mm. Where is he? We've been we've been asking that question <laughs> since uh, the last time we saw him on t- what we a year ago. Yeah, 
even longer than that. Yes. But you know what's interesting? What he just said there, because it, as he's questioning, where's Durham? You know, he's basically alluding to he's missing in action, yeah. right? He said, "Let's see what he comes up with." It's almost like he knows he's coming up with something. I don't, I, I don't know. I took I, I heard that line because it was negative about Durham, negative about Durham. You don't know what to expect. Where is he? And then all of a sudden he says, let's see what he come up, comes up with. And then he jumps back to being negative. So, I don't know. Am I reading too much into it? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know, David. Do you think he's? Uh, do you think Durham will ever come up with anything? Um, well, we know there was mass corruption in Comey, and these guys were just low life. So we know what happened, right? So they should be indicted. Uh, but he also gave kudos to Wendy Rogers, state senator, Arizona first female fighter pilot uh, or pilot in the Air Force, uh, for exposing fraud in Arizona, and Mark Fincham in Pena and Pinal counties. And he said it's an example for rest of the country to pursue an audit. So uh, it was. Listen, the guys. Sharp as attack. And you might put this next to any Biden speech. It's just night and day, right? I mean, at this point, Durham's a phantom. I mean, it's, what's the point? I mean, if they're all corrupted, you know, they were calling me Deep State Paul when the show first started. <laughs> but it's the truth. I mean, you got these life. What did I say the first time they rolled out the Pepperidge Farm doctor in, in Fauci? I'm like, he was there with the Bush administration. We're going to trust this guy? He knows everybody, knows every angle, knows every back corner, knows yeah. every private deal, has. Dirt on everyone. Yeah, we're going to trust that little well, weasel. Yeah, we know okay. there was mass corruption at the leadership in the FBI, and that needs to be solved. And, um, you know, with Le Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and everybody, uh, mass corruption, mass corruption. And, 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 you know, the FBI, we were hoping, was above it all. No. Because we knew the CIA was, let's just put it mildly, because I don't want my car blowing up when I get it, <laughs> a slightly mischievous. You know, because the CIA has got a history of heinous psychotic behavior. And maybe it's been a great thing for the security of this nation. Maybe they've gone over the line a few thousand times. But at the end of the day, the FBI was supposed to be above it all and the corrupt John Solomon judges. Yeah. John Solomon proved that Hillary ordered this whole thing against Trump yep. as early as March of April uh -huh. 2016. This was a cabal. It's a fact. And it's just disgusting that we can't get indictments. Democrats never go to jail, apparently. Yeah. Well, it's good to know, though, that the cabal is expending, expend, extending its reach. The central bankers of the world are meeting in Afghanistan to somehow or another coordinate economic stability, which means enslaving a country. So um, I got to be honest with you. The whole thing makes me sick. Uh, you guys want to let's just change. Let's watch something really cute and charming with uh, we have COVID. Uh, People will start. Oh, I can't do it. It's a minute long. All right. Well, we'll get to it. But a new company in Columbia has designed the new cardboard hospital bed that doubles as something else. So stick around. <laughs> and you, know, we'll, uh, you guys will be shocked at the innovative thought process of this Colombian company. So um, any quick hitters you have over there, David or, or Rick, anything you guys want to touch on? We have a minute to break. No, I mean, jumping back to the FBI real quick. And, you know, Trump made that point. He said the people at the top were the problem. They were the problem. Um, and I think as we're seeing with what happened in Michigan, with the, the whole Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer thing, I think it goes a little bit, a little bit deeper than that. But it'll be interesting to see how all this starts to, uh, starts to come out. You mean because, white supremacists were on the payroll of the FBI for 20 years? <laughs> but again, it, it begs the question, it's like, what's going on? And, and what, what are we seeing happening in front of us? And is it really real? You know? Mm. 
All right. Well, we're going to be back. We have uh, the final segment. We'll do a little more sports. we got to show you this clip. Stick around for the last couple of interesting clips. There's some major totalitarianism going on in the streets of Australia and London. We're going to show you those clips. We're going to show you the innovative company from Colombia. God help us all. Final segment, the show flew by again. Uh, we, we did everything from severe corruption to wet nuts to, <laughs> to <laughs> Harry's Corner. <laughs> so we had a hip wrapping last night, Harry's Corner. It's been an exciting little week here without Damon around. Um, let's do some clips right out of the gate. I mean, all right, so we always talk about free market capitals, and this is impressive. This company has designed a new <laughs> gurney. That is, uh, it serves uh, multi-purposes in our new, disgusting, disease-ridden world. It is... Uh... The world reaching a green new milestone. Over 300,000 people have lost their lives to coronavirus. Some places unable to bury their dead. Images from Ecuador of bodies lining the streets of major cities like Guayaquil and of people who could not afford proper coffins at the height of the pandemic inspired the company in neighboring Colombia to do something about it. Create beds that can turn into coffins. The prototype designed by ABC Displays is made almost entirely out of cardboard, but strong enough to sustain a body's weight. It's not just a bed that turns into a coffin. The main appeal of this structure is its price. Cardboard is an extremely cheap material, widely available all over the world. The people behind this invention were looking for something that could be turned around as quickly and wide scale as possible, even for countries that cannot afford hospital beds. ABC says their bed costs less than $100 and that it's meant to set up emergency hospitals as fast as possible. A hospital bed made out of recycled paper may raise flags for many in the medical community, but ABC's Rodolfo Gomez has an answer for the skeptics. One cannot see this project with conventional eyes. Right now, all over the world, we uh, cannot blow this see guy things up. as they used to blow him up. Workers are... Come on. That's like Venezuela. I'm sure they can use their currency uh, <laughs> right, right. To, to make a coffin or two. Right. The other night, we, we showed them making the, turning the currency into, into baskets. It's oh, my gosh. Just, I mean, it's a systematic. I, think I, I mean, isn't that isn't that the same technology they used at the Olympics for the uh, for the beds that the uh, athletes were using? It was cardboard. Yeah, yeah essentially. Right. Yes, exactly it right. was. Yeah. I think I saw a stencil that said killconservatives.com on the bottom of one of those. And, yeah. and, and on the one part, it did say this side up. This side up. That's funny. That's funny. This side up. So let's go. We, we, we've talked about. Um, before the election that was essentially watching liberty versus tyranny. And we always say, oh, I'll never come here. It can never come here. If someone would have told you 20 years ago that in the streets of London or Australia, we would see people beaten down for protesting, being locked down and mandated to take a jab at literal gunpoint at, at the, 
So here we go. Let's let's check out uh, cut twenty one. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's the um, which is the one with the dogs? Uh, yeah, twenty two. This is London. This is London. This is insanity. This is this is a dog ripping his. This is psychotic. I mean, this is, this is come, this is, that's London. Dogs. And that's for what? Protesting. For protesting, for speaking out against the mandate. Can, I mean, wrap your head around the sick, twisted thing that that is. All right, then we're going to, uh, let's just do one more. This is Australia. We're not going to play the whole clip because it's, it's long and it's, it's, it's brutal. Um, 23. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to cut right. this off. But this no, is just... We're going to watch it when uh, the whole team of Jack thugs. Now, of course, we don't have the full context of what's happened here. But I got to believe at some point the full context doesn't make enough sense to pummel a woman in the streets for leaving her home a five-kilometer radius. I mean, if, it, it gets worse. If you wanted to, uh, if you want to fast forward this, I don't know if you can, that's possible, but uh, it, it's, you'll see there'll be 11 cops around there in no time, and there will, none of them are social distancing. Yeah, in Australia. yeah but they, they are wearing masks. Oh, yeah, because yeah. we know how effective masks are. Australia has 50 times less deaths than New York State with a similar population. How many cops? Oh, my goodness. Well, they got it under control. Wonderful job. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's Colombo and his team of experts over there. Terrific. Well done. All right. Well, I, I, I can't. I can't. Um, let's do sports. All right. Rick, any, anybody uh, fined for not getting a jab? I'm sorry. Yeah, let me, well, interesting you should mention, Paul. Well, listen to this one. NFLPA opens investigation after Jacksonville Jaguars Urban Meyer says vaccination status a factor yeah. in roster cuts. This is uh, Michael DiRocco of ESPN. He's a staff writer. Jacksonville, Florida. Jaguars coach Urban Meyer, the rookie coach, said he and general manager Trent Balk took a player's vaccination status into consideration uh, during final roster cuts. Uh, Maya said Tuesday that it was considered because of the more stringent COVID-19 protocols imposed on vaccinated, unvaccinated players who test positive or identified as a high risk, close contact as compared with protocols for vaccinated players. Rosses were cut to 53 players on Tuesday. Everyone was considered, Maya said. That was part of the production. Let's start talking about this. And also, is he vaccinated or not? Can I say that he was a decision? It was a decision maker. It was certainly was in consideration. Well, George Atala, who is the uh, NFL Players Association um, assistant director, said that uh, they're going to actually look into an investigation because if he did utilize that, there could be some penalties coming down because they're not supposed to be discriminated against unvaccinated players, even though we know the NFL in, in essence really is. Yeah. And, and, and you know what they're going to, yeah, you know what they're going to find? Oh, he was telling the truth. Damn. How do, how do we spin this? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. More NFL news uh, for our Saints fans down in New Orleans. They had a rough week. Uh, Saints Packers week one game to be played in Jacksonville following Hurricane Ida. Uh, New Orleans Saints week one game against the Green Bay Packers originally scheduled to be played at Caesars Superdome in Louisiana. Hey, they changed the name to Caesars. Pizza, pizza. Has officially been moved to TIAA Bankfield in Jacksonville, Florida. The 
NFL announced earlier today. That game will take place Sunday at 325. Sunday, that's Sunday, September 12th. And last but not least, Washington Nationals VP Bob Boone resigns over team's COVID-19 vaccine requirement. This is from June Lee of ESPN. Washington Nationals Vice President Bob Boone has informed the team that he will resign instead of complying with a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all non-uniform uh, players, a source told ESPN uh, earlier today. Boone, 73, has been with the organization since 2005. Now, we're talking Bob Boone. This was the Phillies catcher during those great Phillies teams, caught for Steve Carlton from 72 to 90. Uh, just an absolute baseball legend. Um, his son, Aaron, is the, is the manager of the Yankees. And, uh, well, he's refusing to take the vaccine. So good for Bob Boone. And what a loss for the Nationals, who were one of the first teams to jump on the whole COVID-19 jab deal. So that's a wrap in sports. Paul, back to you. Well, I mean, uh, look, we, we, we've covered a lot tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it could get demoralizing, right? You know, we see the way our president, I can't <laughs> even say it, the sock puppet in chief, we see the way he's demoralized our, our troops. He's divided our troops. We've seen the woke mob uh, do critical race theory in, in the military. Now we're seeing, you know, people getting thugged up and, and roughed up and basically divided and conquered at every level it's you know if the woke mob was white versus black and male versus female and gay versus straight and this versus that now it's vaxxed versus unvaxxed it has been every level of divide and conquer do not let them beat you down do not let them beat you down everyone stay positive there is no such thing as toxic positivity like the world economic forum wants to tell you there is there's really only just to take care of each other, look out for each other. The change begins with yourself. And I can't thank you guys enough for letting me host the last few nights. And thank you so much. And so, uh, Life for Studio 6B, we want to thank everyone who watched. We want to thank and salute our military, retired, active, inactive. The first responders, EMT, firefighters, police, please, constitutional police. And let's not forget the sanitation guys. Those guys work their butts off and they, they leave it on the line for us. Thanks for Gio, Fran, you guys great. You make it so easy to do the show and everyone on the set, you guys are great. Thanks for carrying us tonight.